I liked your uh-huh. Um, I think I'll keep it in there. Great. Kind of Elvis. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was going for. <laughs> How's it going? It's going well. <laughs> I'm need to stop doing this now. <laughs> Are you going to have to retake this one? It's going um, well, man. Are you ready for uh, a late update episode? I am. We have something like seven days to cover, I think. So wow. we better have something. Okay. Yeah, well, I'm I'm partway through a four-day weekend. Which oh, yeah. has thrown my calendar off, my internal calendar <laughs> off completely. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start work tomorrow and think it's Monday. <laughs> Happy uh, George Washington Day. Yeah, there was that. And then, I, this makes no sense to me at all, but the kids' school, the, they have a teacher's planning day on Tuesday, well, today. And I guess that does make sense because they don't want the teachers to have to use their holiday. Okay, that makes perfect sense. They don't want have to, them to have to use their holiday as their planning day, which is fair, those poor teachers. But it's also a weird time to do it because then it's a four-day weekend, which, hey, I mean, I guess you can't complain, but it just means I have a three-day work week this week. Which is really, really <laughs> poor weird. You. Well, yeah, poor me. <laughs> I have stuff to do, but it's going to be good. <laughs> I, I actually am not feeling stressed about it. I've been really confused about the days too, because we've had we've just had storms for the past two weeks. So, like first we had Kira, and then we had Dennis, and it was just sort of like storming in between as well. And like some days, I just stayed home because they want to go out in a storm and raining and thunder and hail. And, um, so like last week, the first day I made it to the office was Thursday, I think. And that, then that felt like Monday, but then, you know, it was only a two day, it was just very confusing. I heard the storms were pretty se- severe in some places up there, like hot, yeah. fast winds and all that. Yeah. I think they were pretty bad, especially down in England here in Scotland. It was just, really miserable oh, okay <laughs> um, got it but i don't think it, it was too dangerous yeah i was talking to a friend of mine who lives in london and he talked about it, it was pretty bad yeah i think it was bad down there <laughs> yeah um well, and i just looked at the forecast and we were looking at 10 days of rain so that's perfect <laughs> <laughs> is it yeah I, I what's normal for this time of year there i, I imagine it's that right yeah is okay. you know if you're low enough it's rain and if you go up in the hills it's snow <laughs> okay um nice so that's what we got it's all right get a lot of work done yeah yeah nice so uh, are you ready for some some updates let's do some updates man do you want to do you want to do maker manager like that the old help. days yeah <laughs> exactly that, <laughs> that would help both have been pretty busy so yeah so do you want to go first as well? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, I would say on the maker side, let's start there. I I had a really great week last week talking to some early adopters. Uh, one in particular, I finished the week and uh, their SaaS business doing, let's just say it's over a million dollars a year in revenue. And I connected to the zoom call and we were going to go through and I was, I was expecting to do more like just road mapping and customer development and like identifying the pains and whatever. And it turned into a screen share where they showed me that they had like six growth plans already built <laughs> in the tool. Oh, we're like clearly a power user and they just dove into like the things that would make it even more valuable for them. Um, and it was it was not stuff that was like crazy either in terms of like uh, off the roadmap, if you will. It was stuff that like made a lot of sense, and I could see it making a lot of sense for a lot of people. So that why was would really, you have really encouraging? Why would you have six different growth plans? Would they just be like different alternatives, or would they work together? They th- yeah. So that kind of gets into what they asked about. They currently have all those because they were they, they're trying to plan the entire year. Uh, in advance in increments in increments yeah and so they basically were looking at you know well what if we work on this project what if we work on that project what do we work on this so each growth plan was kind of attached to a a set of changes 
so so maybe take a step back. What I had already done with them in a previous call was we opened up a, a Google Doc and we looked at their roadmap for the year. And for each initiative, whether it was webinars or a new feature or you know what have you, um, we basically said what what lever do we think that this will change? Like this will increase your number of leads. This will increase your ARPU. This will improve your retention. Like so, for each of those things, they had a, a hypothesis about the business impact, and then the growth plans this week were basically those business impacts bundled together in different ways. Like if we do this set of things, these are the changes we'll see. And if we do these, these are the changes we'll see. And I don't think they can choose, they, they can't choose all of them at once. So they have to choose like an order to do things. So they're, they're basically trying to get a feeling for what's the, what's the optimal set, right. Of, of things to work on. Um, given these these changes which i think is like it's kind of the exact way i wish people would use the product like five years yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. you know they're doing business model testing right if you want to think of it that way like that's really this and then yeah and so so the insight that um they provided was hey uh it probably it would be a lot more useful if instead of making these changes to our plans and then having the simulator assume that we make all those changes beginning on day one, right? Which is not realistic. Like you're not going to, (laughs) you're not going to have your new customer success person and improve your leads and launch a new product on day zero, right? (laughs) Like, you know, that's your plan, but you want to stage those changes out over the course of the next three, six, nine, 12 months. And lay those out and then in doing so you see a couple things one is how how does my business change based on how long it takes for those things to take effect right so yeah you know it's going to take me a a month to find an engineer it's going to take us three months to do the content marketing that's going to grow our lead volume right if you see the um if you see the amount of time it takes for those changes to take effect that's obviously going to be insightful. And then the other one was it also lets them play with the order of things like, well, should we work on retention first? Uh, should we do that thing that's going to improve retention first? Or should that's we cool. work on the thing that's going to raise our average prices first and then work on retention? Or does it not matter? So, so that's really suddenly, cool. Yeah. So they can suddenly start playing with like, what difference does the order make? And, it's know, like business plan Lego. Yeah. Well, yeah. Legos are sort of like your different you growth plans, whatever. Yeah. It's does the order of operations matter? And I'm pretty sure it does, right? Like if you work on, you know, if you work on a, a retention centric program, but you don't have a lot of customers yet, it's going to have less impact. But then it all depends on how long things take to implement. Like this starts to get really at the heart of like what's, so much better about having a tool like this versus doing it in the spreadsheet is that you can, like you said, really start to play with the components of it and say, Hey, engineering team, like I know we're all really jazzed to work on project X, but project X is actually the thing we should work on third. Let's work on project C first because, because here and like show them data. And, and basically what, what they told me is like, once they get to the point where they can look at data about their finances and use that as a reason to do things in a certain order. Like they're never want to, they're never going to want to go back to let's work on project X. Cause it's exciting. And we, and of course yeah. it's going to help. Like we know project X is going to help. It's not that we don't know if it's going to help. We know it's going to help, but we don't know what order to do things in. So like ignorance is bliss. It's like, once we realize that it's probably better to work on this project first, that sounds like a, a new world basically. It sort of reminds me of these uh, good old Gantt charts. <laughs> That's yeah. kind of how I imagine this in my mind. You have the timeline and like the different projects lined yeah. up. and Yeah, I mean, it is, it is longer range planning. Um, but, you know, this is more like... Um, but this, yeah. this is something I kind of asked for when, when you helped me get started with Summit. 
because mm-hmm. I was saying I'm putting in my, you know, OKRs for Q4 at the time. What like, right. what's what's stopping me from putting in my OKRs from for Q1 if I already started working on them or playing around with it and just kind of like add them to the end of this one? Yep. Um, kind of exactly sounds what you can do. Yeah, that's what you'll be able to do with this is is roll those out. And that's super cool. Yeah, so you could say, look, this is where we'll be by the end of the year if we implement, you know, these changes in this order. And obviously, you're going to revise that like a month yeah. from now, a week from now, you can change that. But like just to have an idea of where we're going to be, um, especially when you're fundraising or hiring or recruiting or heck, when are we going to run out of money? When are we going to break even? I mean, these are all, there's so many practical consequences of our finances that yeah. once it, once it's easy to do this, I think folks are just going to add this to their tool belt. I hope you know, and 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 this this um this early adopter said as much, and they also said that they'd be happy to become a subscriber. Um, I, what what I said is, I think if I roll out these changes, like not everybody is doing this, but it's really valuable. I said this this is the kind of thing I think you do if you have a more sophisticated view of your business. And that to me sounds like a, a premium feature. And they said, you know, that completely makes sense. You know, just let us know and we're happy to pay you. So they're going to become a customer once I roll this out. That's really cool. That's even more motivation. Yeah. And so here's the thing on back to the maker side, like I already, I already started working on it. Um, And thanks to the architecture that I have with how everything works, it was like, actually pretty easy to implement so it's hard to give a percentage I, I, it, let's look at the hill chart in our minds like yeah. I'm still i'm still not at the top of the hill i'm like working my way to the top of the hill but i'm close and this is after like just you know a, a couple hours of hacking on it um, yeah so i'm really excited that is really cool yeah so that's the maker side um i guess i can get into the manager a little bit and then yeah, turn will be over. I uh, have basically, and I say basically because I'm numerically not quite there, but I'm, I am for all intents and purposes done fundraising, Ooh. which is yeah, which is great. Um, so I think the total amount I was willing to raise was about three hundred thousand dollars. I now have commitments of two fifty, uh, actually over two fifty. Um, I kind of, to be perfectly honest, I, I, I got a lot of responses saying yes to like twenty five or fifty thousand. That once I got to like two hundred and something, I was just like, okay, it's all fuzzy, but it's it's pretty much done. Like at this point, um, I'm done. I don't need more than that. So rather than rather than keep campaigning, I'm going to stop, <laughs> the, cam- stop the campaigning, collect the funds that um, are already committed, and get back to work. Nice. Which feels really good. Yeah. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, yeah. yeah. That yeah. is exciting. Yeah. And the investors that have said yes, what I really like about it is that, you know, they're mostly angels. Um, and, you know, a number of them have like significant experience in finance or venture debt or lending or just the the whole area I'm headed into. And so they're really excited about the, the value proposition. Like they, they get it, um, you know, as much as they like, obviously they believe that summit is a good investment for them, but like the domain that I'm in is also very interesting to them. And, uh, that makes me happy. That's nice. Get some smart money. Exactly. Exactly. And also just friendly, smart money where they're not trying to, none of them seem pushy at all. It was just let me know when you're, <laughs> let me know when you're ready to do this thing. I um, mean, I did have another uh, um, angel who's pretty well known in the startup indie startup community reach out and say, "Man, I had to stay disciplined, <laughs> not not invest in your angel round, but I really really wanted to, but um, but I'm already, I guess he's already at his maximum, like what he's going to do this year, whatever it is, which is totally fine. Um, I get that. He uh, he said, but." If you go down this route of raising a debt fund or wanting to lend to startups, like please let me know. Like I'm in. I'm I want to help with that. So 
like awesome. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the, the debt stuff really is good. really exciting. It's it's really exciting. I, again, it's the lightning rod thing where I sent out a tweet, and this may be how I'll finish. Like I sent out a tweet in the last seven days, which said, I'm still looking for two to three startups that are seriously considering debt as a way to foster their growth or, or fund their growth. If that's you, like, let's talk. And I had three startups within probably like a couple hours DM me um, and say, yes, I'd love to talk. And then like, they keep coming in. So there's no shortage, man. Yeah. I think this week we both had a conversation with the same founder that we know um, who essentially was seeing an opportunity to just plow more money into ads um, to basically grow faster Mm -hmm. and was thinking about raising money for that. And that's just like trading equity for ads just doesn't really jive with me but you know taking a loan that you kind of like you know what the how much you have to pay back and then comparing that to the roi of those ads that makes a lot of sense and that's you know traditionally how companies have grown you know you go to the bank you present a business plan and then or an angel because i think in the old days i think it was more common for angels to lend you money as well and then you got the money and you paid back like three times the money or something like that, but it was worth it or something like that. Yeah, it's it's almost like founders are still, they've de-risked their business to the point where they can actually run an ad campaign and get ROI back. And they're still standing in the equity store Yeah, <laughs> and going, well, how am I going to fund this? And like, yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, you, you, it's time to leave that store yeah. and uh, just, you know, come over here to the debt store where you can just... And I think I sent a, I tweeted about this a while ago, but like it's worth repeating on something more permanent that raising money using equity, I think the reason that it doesn't sit well to do that for, say, ad spend is that you're going to spend that money on ads. Those customers are going to come in, they're going to pay. Some of them may stick around for a while and some of them won't. And you've just spent a precious, finite resource, which is equity on an activity that needs to be repeated again and again and again and is not infinite right like you're not going to have a lasting benefit from those customers like you'll have a a, there will be a short term to medium term and maybe even some long-term benefit but compare that to you know i raised money to hire an amazing engineer and they built the next version of the product like you get that product forever like you'd never lose that product. You always have it. It's like a continual value to you. So you exactly. traded something. Yeah. So you traded a finite resource to gain something that's going to last in terms of its benefit to your business. Trading a finite resource like equity for, again, short-term gains. It's much better to trade cash for short-term gains because you know you can get more cash, right? And you're going to get more cash the next time you collect payments from people so that that cycle on the lending investing and returning on investment side on ad spend and other such activities it makes so much more sense because after all what are you going to do just keep selling parts of your business to fund the ad machine (laughs) until until when like when do you stop and then when you stop you stop growing like that doesn't make sense and like even for the investor like if you have a clear plan for how we can put money in here and then i get my money two times back because you've made you found a really clever way to turn ads into revenue like that that's let's do that and then we can see if if we can do it one more time or i can do it in another business like that's not let's not you know put all the money in the business and just let it sit there mm-hmm. as equity like let's just keep like when you think about it from an economic point of view, at least intuitively, it makes more sense for me. Like the loan creates more growth, sort of like the way I think about it. Yeah. Because the investor yeah. can can keep doing it. Yeah. It, I mean, it's. I think it's much more of a win-win. And obviously, that's what I'm trying to prove. So we'll, we'll see. <laughs> that's cool. Uh, it sort of reminds me, I listened to a, an interview with Ashton Kushner. Um and uh, 20 minute VC. 20 minute VC. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was actually a good interview. It was fun to listen to. Um, but he talked about like how some of his uh, angel investments, like basically what they wanted was in the beginning, especially, was just for him to like tweet out their business. 
And it's like, (laughs) you know, you can actually pay influencers to do that or like find clever ways around. Like you don't have to give up parts of your company to do it. Mm. But, you know, if it makes sense for you for some reason to have Ashton as like, you know, an owner of your business, like to have him actually be an owner of the business and do continuously like, you know, be a part of it. Mm-hmm. Then think about raising money, but just for a tweet, like, is that really, that's not a strategy is what he said, right? No, no, that's exactly right. It's like a one-time pop. And, yeah. And then what? So, yeah. 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 And, and this is the thing, like there's so much education to be done and, you know, what tool to use for what financing problem is kind of the job of a CFO. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, I was also sending out some charts on Friday that showed the different cost of capital for the same business, taking money as a revenue-based financing, as a term loan or venture debt, and as an NDVC investment. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, and and somebody said I need to do a separate vodcast or podcast to really dive into <laughs> the details yeah you just yeah. like drink a bottle of vodka and <laughs> just go <laughs> oh but yeah yeah that's uh <laughs> that's great in soviet russia um <laughs> we vodcast uh i thanks peter yeah train of thought completely into the ravine sorry um, about that that you, you no. tweeted different models <laughs> different models and and what i thought was really interesting about it was you know i don't know these numbers before i run the before i run the program so then i get the output and i'm like oh that's i learned something too and i think what i basically learned was the term loan you know at like 18 percent interest which is high but normal for venture uh funding or lending um and i I don't think it needs to be that high necessarily but that's a whole other subject but anyway that's what i put in kind of the standard status quo um that ended up coming in at like one hundred twenty four thousand dollars versus you know to borrow 100k it's like 100k became 124k the revenue based ended up being a range of like 104k to 139k so like if your business does well you end up paying more so the investor makes more money if your business doesn't do well like you end up paying back obviously less over the same time period because you're revenue sharing right so so it was like the the term loan is right in the middle and then Indy was the most interesting because you ended up paying back a similar amount, but you still had, actually, you ended up paying out the least over the same time horizon because you don't start paying back until you hit like a 20, 20-ish months after you take their money is when you start paying back. Um, so you, you paid out the least you know, between now and 36 months from now, but then you still had you know, the outstanding portion left over, which on 100K at a 3X would be you know, a $300,000 total repayment. So like yeah. even there, it's interesting. Like if you're a startup that's making somewhere in that like 5000 to $15,000 a month range and you compare like going to Indy, like obviously if you can work with Bryce and get that kind of strategic support, like that has its own value. But in terms of the cost of capital, like in sheer dollars, $300,000 paid back on a hundred grand is the most by a long stretch, right? It was like more than twice what you'd pay back if you borrowed that money, right? Yeah. Um, the only difference is in that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the difference is with Indy, obviously, if you can't pay that back, there's no recourse for the investor. So, you know, it's less risky for you to take it as a indie investment on those terms, which more and more, by the way, more venture capitalists are using indies terms to make investments. So it's not just pricing company. Um, but the point is, you know, there's not a personal guarantee. You're not on the hook for that. Um, but it's not cheap, you know, and there's a lot of cachet attached to it, but I- I'm really excited about essentially showing people each of these options and just educating the founder using the tool, obviously using Summit to understand what really is the difference and which one is appropriate for my business given where I've gotten it to. I think the the tweet you uh, posted recently about your basically your definition for what a startup is, about how, um, you know, it's sort of like depends if you've figured out your business model yet and if you're kind of like attached to that business model. I think there's a very high correlation with like, 
in your definition, if you're a startup or just a business, if you should do equity or a loan. Because if you haven't figured out your business model, it's probably more like it's closer to the lottery ticket. And that's probably like when you want to have an investor who makes, you know, 20 or 50 different bets on companies like yours and then Mm -hmm. see which ones work out. And then like, that's just a proven model that works. And then when you're like a bootstrap business or a profitable, like what a lot of people maybe call bootstrap startup, but actually it's just a business that has like a, a business model that's making money and they have sort of like they're operating sort of right. Um, yeah, I, I think the, the alone thing makes I, sense because it's so yeah. de-risked. Agreed, and, and also you're not willing to risk your revenue anyway, right? So the investor has some what revenue, income. right? <laughs> well, well, you, you know, very very minor <laughs> revenue, right? Um, well, okay, yes, in yeah. your case. Well, that's why you're still raising equity, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, but. You know, I think the definition that I threw out there, what it allows you to do if you want to is to differentiate between a business with a growth mindset and a startup, right? A business, you can have a growth mindset um, and, and say, I want to grow more. But if you are not willing to risk your current revenue, mm. right, and the, deg- and, and the degree to which you're willing to risk it, like it wasn't a binary definition. It was like, if you're willing to risk half of your current revenue, not saying you're half startup but i think we have to like lose these binary definitions anyway to make progress because the world that we're proposing where you can raise this kind you can raise this way you can raise this way it's not binary guys like there's many buckets and in order to pick like the optimal tool you have to sort of self-assess and realize that oh yeah i'm willing to risk some of my revenue like i'm willing to change the way that we do this which I realize is going to jeopardize some of our revenue in the short term. Um, that's a startup mindset, right? Where you have no, yeah. you know, there's not much of a safety net there, if you will. Yeah, versus, like I could I could you know, take a loan for my revenue with WP Pusher. It's all the same business, but I, I could I could make a loan maybe based on the WP Pusher revenue and maybe buy ads to like grow that business, but also take equity to like reposition branch as a general purpose CI tool or something like that. Yes, and this gets to the bigger uh, you know, the other point that came out in those articles from last week, which is it's the revenue of the SaaS business that is essentially the security yeah, you know, or, or, or the bankable asset, right? And that asset is what you either are or aren't willing to risk. And, you know, I think that that opens up a lot. And um, the last thing, and, and then we really need to, we need to hand the virtual mic over to you, is, uh, <laughs> you know, I am... I listened to something really interesting on, on YouTube. It was with the C, um, the founding CEO of Lighter Capital, who is a non-dilutive revenue-based financing and now term loan um, financing company. They're venture-backed themselves, but they they lend to startups. Um, I find the business fascinating for obvious reasons. <laughs> um, but he was saying that the future is a clearer understanding of the use of funds and maybe a tighter definition of the use of funds for every sort of ounce of capital that you raise so i'm raising this money to use it on ads i'm raising this money to hire an engineer on a contract basis i'm using this money to grow the sales team right and yeah, yeah. understanding more of a one-to-one mapping of funds to use of funds yeah yeah is what we're talking about here it's like it's what allows the lender or the investor to properly price the risk of that investment yeah and also understand the upside of it and this is what investors have asked for for a long time in terms of equity rounds but what do what do founders have to do they have to raise this huge lump sum of money and use it on seven different things and i think what i'm learning the more i talk to founders is most of them don't want to have to come up with that huge use of funds and most of them don't want to sell a huge chunk of their business or a you know or borrow a a large sum of money all at once like if they knew they could get it fast and they knew it was available to them when they needed it, they'd be a lot more willing to take small bites of that apple in order to fund their business to the next stage. Right. So I think that's, what's changing and that's great for entrepreneurs and investors actually who don't need to risk all of that money (laughs) at (laughs) once. Um, 
unless you have a billion dollars that you need to deploy and you can only write so many checks per year, right? Well, they just give it to a ladder capital or a summit or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe, exactly. So (laughs) I'll I'll end there. So Peter? That's me. (laughs) <laughs> what's ke- what, who's keeping you busy <laughs> uh yeah it's uh a lot of things has changed recently it's it's very different to be two people it's very exciting as well um but it is different and and my role has definitely changed a bit mm-hmm. my my job is to make sure that there's a plan <laughs> and there are not too many <laughs> obstacles um and yeah, it's I'm so far I'm enjoying that. Um so I guess today we're mostly talking about last week actually. Um but last week was the first uh week or w- the first week of our first shape up cycle, uh real shape up cycle. Um so that was pretty interesting. We decided to work on build steps in branch and build recipes. Uh I know I've talked about this a few times already, but basically the way it works today is that you you basically click add a build step to your build pipeline inside a branch. And there is the way that it makes it easy. Like you essentially just have like a big text area where you can add code (laughs) that you want to run in your CI environment um, when you build and deploy something. So basically the way I tried to make that easier was that there was a big dropdown of all these recipes. So like run NPM install, for example. So you click that in the dropdown list and it pre-populates the fields for you. And that that kind of works for simple use cases, but then some of these recipes had like five different variables that you need to configure, and that mm-hmm. meant that you had to go to the actual command and try to modify that. Um, and you didn't really have any clear instructions. Like the only way I could add instructions was just to have comments, like code comments, in the command or in the text area. So mm-hmm. it's not very good, but you know, it 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 was sort of like a proof of concept for these recipes, and everyone used them. Um, so it kind of proved that they were like sort of valuable. Cool. Um, yeah. So we've been working on that for, this is the seventh day, I guess. Um, and we actually, the plan is to have a big release later today. I hope we'll make it, um, of like a complete revamp of how these work. So there's no dropdown anymore. (laughs) Um, and it's basically all the build steps have been turned into these more like interactive um, forms. So instead of modifying the command, if there's five different variables, you just get five different fields with like instructions on how to put in those fields. And, you know, default, they'll be populated with something that makes sense if we know in advance. Um, so this is a huge uh, upgrade already. And then we also basically added s- different sections. So it's more like structured, like the content you need or the the information you need to provide is more structured. And these sections can basically be anything. So we also have a text-based section, which we now use for instructions. So like basically the documentation has moved into the tool, which I think is really cool. So yeah. when you add a new build step, you have like a clear, you know, instruction that tells you what to do and you have like a clear form to fill out. Um, this is like game changing. It feels like a completely new product, and I'm, it also looks really good. So I'm really excited about it. Um, yeah, that extra interactivity is going to make this thing feel like more like a workspace or a place where you. I mean, it's a place where you. Yeah, it's a place where you're doing work, and as opposed to, yeah, I got to go over here and push this button. Basically, it's like plug and play, man. Like, yeah, if you want to like automate your WordPress deployments, it's just literally going to be like, click here, pick this one. And then the other thing is everything um, is kind of like put into this little menu widget, sort of like a marketplace almost. So you see the logos of the tools. Mm -hmm. So we're going to add recipes for all the hosting companies, all the big ones first. Um, And most of them are the same because most of them are just rsync or SFTP. But sometimes we can make it easier because sometimes we know the host name of the of the web host, or we know which port they use for the uh, SSH connection, or mm. we know I love it basically where the root, the WordPress root is on the server. So mm. in those cases, we can make it really easy to configure those. Yeah, there's so and, many there's so many little nuggets of knowledge that you can just put into this thing now. 
because yeah, because it's just WordPress, and yeah, your own. We know WordPress. Yep, it's. I mean, it's it's accretive in that sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and yeah. and I, I I got this email. I actually just found it the other when I was searching through my inbox the other day for a hosting company, and the email said, um, "I wanted to use this, but I'm using X host, and it wasn't on the recipes list, so I just assumed this is not for me." And it really hurt my feelings because, you know, you can use it with every host. You just need to mm. configure the rsync connection yourself. So basically, we're just going to add them all, like every, everything. And it's just going to, you know, it is just going to be rsync or SFTP. But there is going to be a WP Engine logo, a SiteGround logo, a Kinsta logo, a Flywheel logo. So when you go in there... Like you're going to see the logos of all the things you use, even if it's like a really, really simple use case or a simple recipe, like you'll see the NPM logo that you use or like you'll see the hosting platform that you use. And I think it's, I, I really think it's going to make a big difference because I think people are going to realize faster that this tool is actually for them. Yes, definitely. I mean, they're going to totally, you're going to trigger, they're going to recognize those things. It's going to trigger a sense of, Oh, I'm in that tribe. Yeah. Oh, that's what I use. Awesome. Let's click it. (laughs) And it's like a big, nice button, like the logo. I'll click it and Mm -hmm. see what happens. And then there's like clear instructions. I I think it's going to be really big. That's awesome. I mean, uh, with all these improvements, (laughs) I'll lead the witness a little bit, which is dangerous, but we're we're friends. Um, Like at what point... I feel like this is a different product than we were talking about six months ago in terms of just the, it makes so much sense for people to use this that I, I kind of wonder, you know, uh, who's, who's the person that looks at this and still says, you know, no, that doesn't make sense for me. Like I'd rather do it the way I'm doing it. Is it people who just have habits that are ingrained and they don't want to bother? Or would you say like, there's a I segment feel- that, should just this is obviously the better way to do these things does that make sense i feel like you're pushing me into my manage manager update before i'm done with my maker update <laughs> sorry sorry i didn't mean to cut the maker part short i mean bjorn's not on the show yet so i figured that you had a minimal maker update <laughs> um, you only know what he's told you <laughs> yeah um it, i think that's like it's interesting what you're saying and it's exactly what i'm going to talk about in my manager update um so i'm gonna i'm gonna push it out a little bit um yeah so the 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 thing that's been really basically interesting and challenging and like just like kind of like made made me think a lot this week in terms of the maker stuff and the, the shape up stuff is is basically um how to scope things and and really like thinking a lot about those hill charts that Basecamp talk about. I know you just talked about them as well. Um, but basically on the left side, you're like working your way up the hill and you're, everything is unknown. And then when you get to the top, you, you know everything you need to know to essentially come up with a solution, right? And then, or the solution that you kind of like settled on and the rest is known territory. Or like you'd know exactly how long it's going to take. You kind of know, like you can make pretty accurate estimate of how much time is left in the project mm-hmm. um we talked about that a lot last week because um like you know we had many brainstorms and uh, bjorn spent a lot of time in figma designing like you know 10 different versions of how these different steps could work and we talked about it and like we tried to implement some of it in code and we we spend a lot of time playing around with things without actually building something. Um, But what I was saying was that I think this is time really well spent. Um, We're on the left side of the hill chart. And the more it feels like as more like the more time we spend here right now, like as long as we keep learning new things and we keep having new ideas, I think like it's scary (laughs) (laughs) because you're in the unknown and you're afraid that you're going to waste you know, all your time just trying to like figure out things and then you're not actually like, you won't have enough time um, to actually execute on it. But what I've realized is the more time you spend on the left side, the less time you need to spend on the right side. So it kind of, it's almost like it always adds up 
if that makes yes. sense. Yes, yes. So it's like the challenge last week, I think, was for us to force ourselves to stay, you know, in the unknown for as long as possible and just kind of like keep going at it. Gosh, that's Until, a great point. Yeah, that's it was, it, and it, it felt so, sort of scary. <laughs> Mm -hmm. um because you're really in the unknown and you're like you can't know for sure that you will find the right solution and it will be easy to implement but essentially mm -hmm. we spend a whole week on this and then we implemented most of it in a day yeah man that's <laughs> i mean there's a larger thought there that's like the more time you spend as a company on the left side of that oh <laughs> Yeah, let me put it this it's way. It's related you to your tweet. Be, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think you can become a left, well, independent of that, or, or maybe just a different axis. It's like, maybe. And is I it ambitious? It's like, it's possible. No, where I was going is like, it's possible to become a right side heavy or right side heavy company. Let's put it that way. I'm not sure about left side heavy yet. I'm sure there's like procrastination and being in what's it astronaut architect, uh, as Joel Spolsky once said, that kind of thing where like all you do is sort of think about the problem and you don't implement mm -hmm. things pragmatically enough. Yeah. But I do know that in a resource constrained environment, it's super tempting to become right side heavy, if you will. And you yeah. spend all your time executing. And then what does that do? It begets technical debt, which means the next time you have to spend even more time implementing and yeah. more time employing. And before you know it, you look at your sprint cycle and you're like, this is all, <laughs> this is one hour on the left. And then we're going to spend two weeks banging our heads against yeah. things on the right hand side here to try to get something to work. Um, yeah. It's the same. Yeah, like I, when yeah. it's the same when you cook, like the more time you spend, you know, organizing mm -hmm. everything and cut all the vegetables and make everything ready. Like the, the quicker it's going to be when you mm -hmm. actually, you know, start the engines. Totally. Yeah. And actually I, you know, and that's how still, I cook. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I, I don't want to overextend this cause like I'm still very evergreen in terms of my code base and like, but, but I've been working on it for like a year, a year now. And I was really happy that those changes I talked about, I was able to, pretty much get half the implementation done in a few hours because yeah, yeah. i i knew where to inject the improvements i knew that it made logical sense like yeah, yeah i had i didn't have to create any new data models i was just like oh yeah if i use this and do this it's just gonna work yeah and like it did it, it did <laughs> but that's because i was like silly in how far i took things maybe six months ago you know silly quote unquote like not not just short-term thinking yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And I think a lot of engineers know this, but I love the way you put it. Like spending more time on the left makes the right hand faster, easier. Yeah. I think one of the things we talked about was basically how to hedge against spending too much time in the unknown. So what we actually did was we took, so we had scoped out the project, but especially like two individual things in the project was more, we thought was more important than the rest. So we're like, let's, let's limit actually ourselves and say that we'll release something in the middle of next week. So the whole cycle is three weeks, but let's see if we can get something out, like maybe in the beginning of the second week, because then we're actually comfortable that this is a big enough chance change that it'll, we'll see results. And we don't have enough, we don't have enough information to make all the right decisions, but if like this will be dramatically better than what we have now, and we might actually be able to gather some more data like mid midwise in the project. Um, so we decided that's why we have the release today is basically this is the first iteration. Let's get it out and let's kind of like see if we can get some people to use it. And then we still have one and a half weeks left to mm -hmm. add more improvements and work on some of the other things that are relevant to this project. Um, and Very I cool. think it was it, it was good for us to spend, you know, maybe four or five days in the unknown, but in, it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't be good to spend like one and a half weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah. I mean, but, but think about the quanta that you're talking about there, like four or five days in that. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. That's, that's amazing. Like yeah. there are, there are, there are multi-million dollar SaaS businesses that spend two hours in yeah. that space. Because and honestly, they feel 
like they got to get on with it, right? Honestly, this feels like uh, like somewhere between 30 to 50% improvement of the product. Like this is really big. It's giant. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, giant. it's a giant leap forward. All right. On, on a product that's, yeah, on a product that actually has been in market for a while. So that's, that's saying yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I want to move into the, the manager stuff now. Um, okay. The, the main thing I've been working on this week and last week is guides for the different hosting companies. And mm. I, it's not, I don't want to talk too much about it now because um, it's still very much work in progress, but we did get three of them out um, in the past week, which is really awesome. So they're almost the same, but they're tweaked. So the screenshots are different. Some of them, some of the screenshots are the same. So I deliberately made sure that all the screenshots or most of the screenshots from branch, like the branch UI could be reused across the guys. Um, but obviously all the screenshots of the hosting platforms are different and parts of the texts because it's different how you connect and stuff like that. Um, so we did get three out of those. Um, and they're like circulating internally with all these hosting companies. And, and, and I think that's really good. Um, got some great feedback already. But kind of what I, why I wanted to bring it up is something I thought about a lot with those um, guides is this this is a good example of something I only do because it has more than one purpose. Like I'm thinking a lot about how it's almost too risky right now to do things that only serve one purpose. Um, so I really try to see if, if, if there is any sort of leverage I can find by doing things that has multiple purposes and with the hosting guides that's i mean obviously it, they serve as documentation so when someone asks like how do i use this on kinsta we just you know they just go to the kinsta guide and it's step by step showing them how to automate their deployments um so that's obviously really good um long term you know it's just content marketing it's gonna show up in google <laughs> um but then in terms of the strategy with the hosting companies, I think it's a way for me to test out hosting companies as potential partners. Because mm. if you write a really, like you, these are 2000 plus words uh, guides. If you write one of those and you send them to a contact at a Word, WordPress hosting company and they don't even care, like they're probably not going to be yeah. a great partner. Yeah. It's a good um, test. Exactly. And if if we can if we can get them to share it on social media, that's a good sign. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they if we are like if we can get a few people based on the guide to use Branch with that specific hosting platform, it's much easier to talk to them about a, an actual partnership and integration later on. Um, Very cool. So the, yeah, yeah, I just wanted to kind of bring that up because it. It's, I think from the outside, maybe it seems like I'm spending a lot of time on like what is essentially blog posts. Um, <laughs> but there is, there's a reason why they have really high priority right now. And I want to make sure that I can do a lot of them. So I'm really like, I'm spending a lot of time trying to automate it and make sure that I can reuse as much of the text as possible. I mean, to me, it's distribution, which is very valuable. I mean, blog posts have this like transient, maybe topical yeah quality about them sometimes like these these feel more evergreen yeah from what you're describing and more i mean you're going to developer environments where more documentation is better i mean the, the bar is high uh, people people expect to have something that they can sink their teeth into and navigate your new product so i think it's i think it's awesome there was a i got an email from a guy who was using kinsta and he was wondering if how branch would work with kinsta and if we had a guide so i took the sideground guide and i turned it into a kinsta guide and it took me about an hour you know an there hour and go. then there, i could send him a 2000 plus word guide step by step Very cool. um so that was really cool <laughs> Very um nice. the the other thing i've been working on um really started working on it today is basically position the positioning um i've been talking a lot about as well um using the obviously awesome framework um, it's been really fun, actually. Um, I shared some screenshots today in the Tiny Seed Slack, but essentially I was going through the exercise. And the way it works is, first of all, you kind of list up all your competitive alternatives. Um, April Dunford is a Tiny Seed mentor, so we had a call with her where I got to ask her some questions. And one of the questions I had was, 
if you can't really pick your best customers because you're just started out <laughs> and you don't really have that many customers, what mm-hmm. what do you do? Um, and her answer was that you like you just have to come up with like a hypothesis about like who your ideal customer is. Um, and you know, there is a lot of people I talk to that I have a pretty clear idea about. Like, I want them to use branch. Yep. Um, and then what you do is you kind of list out what they would be using if your product didn't exist. So for me, that's other CI CD tools. It's other deployment tools. It's, you know, build everything manually and just push it with like Git or FTP or something like that. Yeah. Then the next thing you do is you come up with the the attributes that are different with your product and you don't attach a value to that. You just kind of list what's different. So um, with Branch, what's different about it, it's, um, it was just like things like no configuration files is one thing I wrote. Um, most other uh, CICD tools, they have configuration files. And then the next step is to kind of like get to the value um, from the, go from the attribute to the value. Um, mm. So the way you do that is you take the attribute and then you kind of like find, you you figure out what the benefit is because of that. So no configuration files. And then what I wrote down as a benefit is that your build pipelines become plug and play. And then what's the value? The value is that you, there's no need to learn a new syntax. So like a lot of people have problems with figuring out how the circle CI syntax work. Oh yeah. Um, and then I did that for like uh, about 10 different attributes. And then the, the step where I got to now was you group them into different themes and um, value themes. And it was really interesting. Um, the one that came up the most was low learning curve. That's obviously related to no configuration files as well. Um, and I realized that's not something I talk about <laughs> on the website at all. Um, so, you know, this was really valuable. Um, another thing I realized is that a lot of the value in branch is just that it's just for WordPress. Like it, we are able to have sane defaults for everything. And basically we like, you don't ask the user, you don't have to figure out on your own what the best practice is for a WordPress project. Cause we can just like, essentially people are outsourcing that part to branch and say, just tell me what, like if I use Kinsta and I use mm-hmm. composer to pull in my dependencies, what should I do? Because it's people don't come to branch like I I would like to automate my deployments to Kinsta using rsync because I think rsync is the best tool to get my files from your CI C D platform yeah, and no, onto no. Kinsta servers. You're, they don't care. You're a lev- yeah, no, you're more than what you're a level or more above that. Yeah. They just yeah. want to make sure that they do it the right way and it's something that's sort of like industry standard. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just had a conversation about this as well in the tiny seed slag. And kind of what I realized was it, there's kind of like a gap in the market where no one is willing to say what the best practice way is. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think in branch, actually, we can literally just decide this is the best practice. <laughs> and sometimes right. the host, like there are like recommendations from the hosting companies and that makes it easier. So for that specific hosting company, you know, with WP Engine, for example, they recommend you use rsync. There are four other ways you could deploy to their platform. You could use SFTP, you could use Git, you could use DevKit, but actually their recommended way is rsync. So why have the option of all those other tools when people yeah, don't care yeah. about it? Like, yeah, don't, yeah, like and, just limit yeah. the choices and make Absolutely. it yeah. as easy as possible. Well, and and this is a this is a theme that's in so many products right so there's bundling and there's unbundling right yeah. so you can either take something that's tightly integrated and unbundle it so that people have choice yeah or you can say i can bundle things in a way where people who trust me or who don't want to have to make all those choices get the benefit of just saying yes i'll take a finished product end to end and it's the, you know like the example i like to use is like with instagram it's like there are people who will say like 
I want to take a photo, put it into Photoshop, size it, choose all the filters, set the balance and the white whiteness and the contrast and the this and the and those people who are like, I just want to take a photo with my phone, hit a filter button and be done. Like, yeah. I don't care about all the stuff you just did. I just care that the finished thing is is high quality. So yeah. bundling, man, that's that's what you're doing. And there's going to yeah. be a whole group of people and developers who probably kind of resist that. But then there's going to be other ones who are your target market who probably are going to say, like, thank you that I never have to think about <laughs> all these all these choices, right? Yeah. Well, the good part is they don't have to use these recipes. These are just mm-hmm. like the plug and play solution where you just pick one. <laughs> um, you can still do it the old way of like defining all, like eventually they'll be able to add their own recipes. So like if they want to do it in a different way, they're free to do that. Um, yeah. That makes sense. I mean, I'm the guy, though, that goes to the restaurant and I always order the, I'll take the signature dish that you've already made all the choices about for me because (laughs) I hate making choices that don't feel like they're high impact. Yeah. But especially with something like this, where, I mean, like this is more like you're not just ordering food for yourself, like you're ordering food for a whole company of people. Well, that's where best practices. Yeah, make so you it's nice safe, if right? you can. If yeah. someone asks you, "Why did you use rsync?" Ex- like exactly because that's what they said was like the best way to do it, and here's well, like an article exactly. to back it up. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, your your decision has a higher impact than yourself. So actually, my my version would be better if it's like, I'm about to cater something. Yeah, can you just make a bunch of great choices for me? Yeah, because I want my guests to be happy. <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Like you go yep. to Spain to a tapas restaurant. And it's mm-hmm. you're going to have to make a lot of decisions unless you just tell them, can you bring like 10 different tapas? <laughs> exactly. You'll just... probably get the best ones and the freshest yeah. ones or whatever. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's that's huge, man. And so this is all coming out this week or is already launched? The, the first version should come out later today, I think. Um, that's wow. at least our goal. Uh, we're just like, make, do, we're doing some polish right now. Um, I actually need to finish all the little descriptions for each of the recipes. Um, mm-hmm. so that, that is probably the blocker right now um and just to, just to remind folks like because the way you've done your freemium model every user gets all this improvements right this is a yeah yeah, yeah. this is yeah, yeah. the only limit right now is how many builds you get um at least for now this is the final thing i wanted to mention it's kind of related to what you said about your um the user who would upgrade if you added certain features um i was talking to someone who was using a javascript testing framework called cypress and they were trying to get that to run on branch um they ran into some issues some memory issues with headless chrome crashing Mm. and it made me look into like ways that we could make the performance of the the built containers um better and because we're using Google Cloud, I realized that it's literally one line of code for me to, it's going to be more <laughs> expensive for sure. But with like one line of code, I could make all the builds eight times or not necessarily eight times faster, but they could get eight times the memory, uh, even 64 times the memory, which is more expensive for sure. But I think what I'm excited about doing is actually for all the paid users, making um, making the builds faster and give them you know, eight virtual CPUs instead of just one. Um, for people on paid plans, that's still a, a really good business. Um, and I think that's a pretty nice differentiator. So it's not just yeah. the number of builds. It's like your developers spend less time waiting for the build to finish because it's going to be like several times faster. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so that's pretty cool. exciting. And they essentially said, if we can make these... Uh, tests run on branch we're happy to become a a paid customer um so that's obviously a nice motivation to do that but then the nice side benefit was that i realized this is just something i should do for everyone who's paying that's great cool man yeah very cool um i'm super excited these (laughs) seems like we had a pretty good week (laughs) yeah because it's long (laughs) oh yeah that's right just goes a few extra days and we can climb mountains. That's right. Yeah. It's going to come right back at us on Friday when we only had three days. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Should have sandbagged a little bit and saved some for, for Friday. But um, I think yeah. by Friday I'll have, have more to say, I hope. Maybe on Friday we can talk about our new mastermind. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Our new that's constellation. Right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll just leave that one a little secretive. Let's do it. Content. Yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. Cool. Well, enjoy your week and uh, let's get get some work done before Friday. All right, sir. Thanks. Take care. Bye.